Hi everyone, welcome back to a very, very special episode of the Soldiers of Cinema podcast. I am Colin McFader, your usual host, uh, along with Clark Coffee, but in a special context. And one of the reasons this is a special episode is that Clark is actually up here in Toronto with me. Um, how are you doing? How are you enjoying? <laughs> <laughs> how am I gonna... <laughs> doing? How am I doing? How am I enjoying? I mean, dude, it's 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 great. Um, you know, I, I'm up here in Toronto for the week. Uh, my wife has some work up here, and so I'm tagging along, and w- you and I are getting to hang out for a few days, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, you, we went to, what was the theater that we went to? The Fox Theater, uh, f- yeah. We went to, okay, so we went, so Colin took me to the Fox Theater. For those of you in Toronto, you may be familiar with that theater, and for those of you who are Canadian, you might be familiar with the film that we saw there, which was... Apparently, the the famous, I don't know, infamous, I don't know how you want to call it, uh, <laughs> DIY film things, mm-hmm. which, I, okay, so when Cullen took me to the theater, I had no idea what 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 I was in for. I had I, I had I didn't look up the film. I had no idea what this thing was. I, I mean, I, I had literally no inkling. And so we go into this nice theater and and sit down. And first, uh, they screened this uh, cartoon, which was actually I did. We're going to talk about yeah, it. National Film Board. <laughs> okay, I, I thought it was a joke. I actually thought this was like a parody, or you know, kind of like a, a little short film that somebody had recently put together, kind of like lovingly, maybe satirizing some you know aspects of Canadian culture. But in fact, it's actually a super uh, well-known, famous like. We call them PSAs here in the United States, um, but this short film about what do you call these loggers? Or, they're the loggers. Or, yeah, well, they weren't the, quite lumberjacks. The, well, the, peop- they were the, the, the yeah, guys yeah. who like roll on yeah, the logs. Yeah, like, they, they bring the logs them. down the rivers. Um, okay, yeah, so 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 that op- yeah, so that opened things up, and and then and then we went into the film proper, and I uh, wow, uh, it was an entirely unique experience for me. Uh, <laughs> was this like 89 or something, right? This is yeah, so like things 89. was 89. I think the logging, uh, that, that little it's from short like was from like the 70s or even yeah, 60s. Yeah, 70s. I mean, it's it, that's old, yeah, that's old, but the, but the, so I didn't even, I thought you know, I I, had, I didn't even know what era the film was going to be in or anything, and so it, it was like a zero budget horror film, totally like, I mean, I don't even call this indie, I call this homemade, like, this is like, oh, yes, like yeah. three, three or four guys in in their grandmother's their basement, home, I think, or something, or their basement. grandmother's, yeah. yeah, and just wow, I, just wow, and some members um, of the it, cast were there, it was very exciting, yep, some yeah, members yeah. of the cast, and it was actually really fun, it was actually super, super fun, um, and strangely, uh, and uh, inspiring, actually, believe it or not, um, but we could talk about some of that another time, um, but but yeah, so in in the interview or the like discussion that you're about to hear, um, we actually did that. And Cullen, you can kind of fill in uh, where we were and who the, who we were talking to to give some context to our listeners when we go into the interview. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, again, this is it's, it's special because this is also the first time that we are doing an in person episode together. Right. Um, right. In case you know you might not know this as a listener, but we actually always record. Separately, Clark's down in California. I'm up here in Toronto. So this is the first episode we've ever done live together. In person. Um, You know, and also, so we've got, uh, we're here at the the Eyesore 
Um, we're going to be in the screening room, and that is a very special place. I think a lot of people in the Toronto kind of film scene know it. Eyesore Cinemas, you can buy, rent. It's kind of like one of the last it's a super of cool, rental, it's, rental stores. Yeah, it's a really cool place. I mean, they've got... Obviously, they were they were kind enough to give us the space to record uh, our podcast there. But just, I mean, walking into the store, it's um, it kind of you know it reminds me of it had that flavor of like those really fantastic um, like mom and pop uh, music stores that used mm-hmm. to exist you yeah. know a long time ago. And um, of course, but with with uh, with movies. And I I mean there was a great collection, um, everything from like VHS to UHD. And like a really well curated and like pretty like interesting selection of films for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. And last big reason that this is an exciting episode is because yeah, we've got two guests, Mike Wood, um, from They Might Just Be Movie or They Might Be Movies, sorry. Uh, who he Mike is, is a, a good friend of mine who does pop up screenings um, all around the city. Uh, if you follow him on Instagram or Facebook, you'll definitely see that he has quite the schedule going um, and always something unexpected. Um, for example, this hmm. year at TIFF, he did uh, Too Fast, Too Furious on the side of a Midas uh, like auto body repair shop uh, during the whole you know TIFF festivities downtown, which was really fun. <laughs> That's um, awesome. He screened f- uh, films from friends of mine. Um, so, you know, really fantastic uh, kind of indie screenings there. And, of yeah. course, our second guest is uh, Adam Thorne of Terrible Fest and Riot at the Movies. Adam is kind of a fan of, of like, grunge punk cinema in a lot of ways. Um, That's a good way to put um, it. Yeah, like He might like he DIY. might abhor the word cinema being in there, but... Yeah, um, we talked about that a little. <laughs> this uh, sort of very underground, um, again, DIY... Uh, you know, Terrible Fest is a festival that that kind of celebrates movies that would not be seen at other festivals, and it's a lot of fun. Um, he screened a movie of mine a few months ago, which was great. Not at Terrible Fest, at a different festival of his, but... Uh, <laughs> You're I, so fast I, to point that out. He said that mine didn't fit into Terrible Fest, so I'll take that as a compliment. Uh, <laughs> but um, but no, and it's a really it's a really exciting interview, I think. Uh, great conversation. Yeah, it's... It, it was it was an absolute blast and we're gonna dive right in but I just do want to say uh, I mean it was it was so fun um, to have this conversation and to discuss these kind of films and to kind of you know talk about cinema from this dif- different angle because like I mean I mean if you look back at all of our previous episodes I mean we're talking about for the most part you know totally stu- studio feature films or you know or, or at least like major cinema works I mean you know it's and this is like such the opposite end of the spectrum there. Um, and it was really fun uh, to explore this totally other uh, aspect mm-hmm. of cinema. And uh, so, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I think, Cullen, you and I both had a blast. And we had a really a lively conversation. And for everybody listening, I hope you enjoy too. Yeah, without further ado, let's jump into it. We've come to Eyesore to get the uh, soul of independent underground cinema of Toronto. <laughs> Speaking of which, I'm sure we could have found better people. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I'm gonna start with a question. You know, we'll we'll make this a little bit like uh, like Johnny Carson, I guess. Um, so you guys, there's a lot of like the Venn diagram of what you two do is wow, there's Venn some diagram. crossover, but there's also some some very big differences. And Clark and I always like to start whenever we do a movie. We kind of talk about our personal experiences with that movie, and of yeah. course, we can't really mm-hmm. do that specifically here. But I am always curious for people in this world, 
Um, you know, like what sparked it for you? What started it? What was the started what their started your yeah or? your love? Well, even even just the desire to do like Terrible Fest or to curate all these mm. different movies and kind of go that because you both sort of have this like championing of underground and underdog movies a lot of of movies that might not get a lot of attention elsewhere. And I think that a that's very important, and it feels really good as a filmmaker to have that yeah. sort of space to be able to do that. But you know, Mike, why don't we start with you? What what kind of brought you into that world? What you know? for sure? Actually, I'm glad we're starting with me because my story is more heartfelt. Oh uh, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, perfect. Adams will probably be more entertaining. Um, Cue music. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but uh, actually, for me, it was my parents. Uh, they're both art teachers, and like just you know various mediums of uh like the photographical nature and my my dad still teaches photo my mom's semi-retired um but they were always showing me a wide variety of of things and didn't really seem to care like that i'm i'm seven like mm-hmm. obviously like uh you know if something was too extreme you know it's um, they're not going to show it to me but i remember that them taking me to a lot of stuff of a wide variety of mediums but also a lot of experimental things and things right. that played at the ago here and they could also uh book out a 16 mil projector from like not not their respective schools uh i think my dad could sometimes book one out from the art college that he still teaches at but uh there was one central library where you could go if you had an educational card to book out a 16 mil projector and any 16 mil movie that the city had in their archives oh and wow it was this, that's yeah. so cool. an incredibly documented catalog of wow. like uh Animated shorts, educational films, uh, some feature films, some like one reel only of a feature film. And <laughs> we would uh, sign out a projector, sign out just a massive gamut of stuff and uh, project them on our like, living room wall at home. Mm-hmm. Or uh, sometimes uh, bring them outside and maybe bring them on a crash cart uh, just down the street a bit or to a park or something like that and invite other neighborhood kids to come watch too. Okay. And yeah. uh, I thought that was like a really fun ethos, just that sort of like mobile drive-in kind of vibe mm-hmm. and so mike let me interrupt on yeah. this one because i have to ask the concept of saying <laughs> as a canadian do you did you grow up hating or did you grow up loving there's two types of canadian kids okay one loved when in the middle of a show on sunsea well maybe even other channels on cbc but when that film board of canada little oh, guy yeah. like, turns into an eye when he turned on he, he showed up on the screen you knew this was going to be like an animated short funded by the government yeah as a child i was immediately like where's the remote change it get that way i don't want to see this <laughs> oh it's, not me i i think i, I did i knew it i knew you'd love it like for me it was just like <laughs> there's content oh my god yeah, content something now to watch. but we saw way more movies either in theaters or taking them out of this like uh film library than tv because we only had actually i mean so almost everything was canadian because we only had uh tv with like an antenna and mm. didn't get cable till I was in like grade four or yeah, something like that. So we only got like the local channels. I had that with my time. mom's the bunny yeah. ears. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's mm-hmm. it. Um, Clark, for context, the movie that you saw last night, that yeah. little short from at the beginning, that was the NFB, National Film Board of Canada. Okay, so, well, let's talk about that. So yeah. obviously our listeners didn't go to that with us. <laughs> but uh, so last night, uh, just to give a little context here real quick before we, we dive back into the story here. But uh, Cullen took me to it was the Fox Theater correct yeah yeah and we saw the 1989 movie things or is it things or just things, things, or things. things? okay yes. just yeah. things you didn't just see it you had no i had experienced it i had experienced it and i i had no idea what, what i was getting into but yes before that film there was the the little animated short about people walking around on logs yeah mm. and yeah. how 
what wonderful partners oh, they make for for ladies who like to dance or oh, something like that. that. That is the Film Board of Canada cartoon. Like, yeah. There's thousands of them. But the, now, the, are you the being serious roll, or no, because you got no, the, it, the like, log roller one is the one. You, like if any kid that would appear. I think a lot of Canadian channels yeah. back when the channel would turn off at the end of the night. Okay. That would play. And then the Canadian national anthem would play and wow. then it would end. Like, so that's real. Yeah. That was so like the I end of your broadcast that, day. So I thought that was, was like a yeah. parody of something no. or like no. a, like, like just some surreal, like short animated thing that somebody put together, but this is actually part of your childhood. So like, I think, this is yeah, a I think the two thing. very distinct, uh, like Canadian childhood memories that I have are the NFB animated shorts and the really, really bizarre PSAs that we get here. Mm -hmm. Like there's like a whole genre of Canadian PSAs about like, you know, trusting what you see on television, uh, about like getting enough exercise and all that. And they were all done in these very bizarre, like I almost want to say, um, like it feels like something out of Brazil. Like it's a really yeah, bizarre, yeah, Terry Gilliam universe kind style. Of, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so you out have, of Brazil, the movie, not out of Brazil, the country. no, yeah, not the not the the country. <laughs> I was uh, trying to put that together there for a yeah, second, yeah. but uh, no, there's these the, like so there's this really really bizarre niche of stuff that like of course as an American you would have no idea exists and even a lot of younger kids they just don't play them anymore yeah. so when I taught um, film classes I used to when we would show the like each you know we would split them into groups and they would make a movie over 10 weeks or something and they make five different movies in the class and between each movie I'd always stick these PSAs because I was like these kids don't know what these are so I'd throw them in and they'd be all very very confused as to why I was showing them this like French singing song as the kid chases the ice cream truck and then it's like that's why you got to get exercise and I was like guys this is very important to me the ultimate hero to all Canada is Astar Astar and depending on your your generation you know it is two different versions even though the PSA is exactly word for well I think maybe like maybe one word for some reason has changed but our Clark, are you familiar with Astar? I, I am not no? okay, familiar Astar with Astar. Has, I... Astar has broken his, himself into the internet, but so a lot of people, non-Canadians, know him, or they. Um, Astar is a robot. Astar had one commercial for safety. <laughs> okay. Um, and the original one is a practical, is this beautiful and like amazingly expensive. It was definitely during a time period where the government was giving out grants to make films if you could make it for PSA. Mm -hmm. So they were going to take as much money as they could take. Um, Astar is a, a robot that lives on planet danger mm. and they can do backflips <laughs> mm. and they can fly around but everything on the planet is a buzzsaw or a knife and at one point wow. they cut their own arm off oh, no. and then they turn to the camera and say I'm Astar from Planet Danger. I can put my arm back on. You can't. So play safe, kids. And this is a message from the Board of Canada to, for kids to not play in dangerous places. Concerned children's advertisers. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to have to go take a look at that. Oh, I'll send you a reel. <laughs> that was the surviving edged weapons of Canadian PSAs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then jump ahead 20 years from the original one. I believe, and I may not be exact, but I think it's the same graphics group that did cartoons like Reboot and Beast Wars and oh, stuff wow. like that because they were, I think, a Montreal and Toronto-based animation group. Um, and they did a remake of it, probably mm. because it was another excuse to get government funding. Mm -hmm. But they were like, well, you can't just do the same thing. You have, If you were going to pay, you have to make something. So they had it all in CGI. And the voice is slightly different, but it's pretty on the nose. So when I speak to younger kids about it, they're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And then I'll show the original and they're like, 
wait a minute, why does he look like the Predator now? What is going on? And I'm like, yeah, it was it was live action originally. It wasn't a cartoon. And they're like, yeah. it's so scary. Yeah. And it, yeah, it was a nightmare for us at the time too. Was that the same group that did the uh, Stay Alert, Stay Safe, those like bunny rabbits that were always if not, stranger the, danger? Uh, yeah, like Gert, Probably adjacent. Gert and Bert, they were yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the two cartoon, bird, not birds, bunnies. They were like, yeah. don't go walk home in an alleyway. You'll get attacked by an old man or something. <laughs> yeah. 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 Weird things like that. <laughs> It so always felt like yeah. the end of G.I. Joe, where it's like, oh, there, it was just like a random pointless right. message, like, don't drink things you find out of the sink, kids. kids. <laughs> don't drink things off of the ground of a strange movie theater in the yeah. back room um, that have been spilled several times, both on yourself and the floor. Um, no, so, th- I mean, that, I think, is an important context that, you know, that... Government funding is, in Ontario. Well, government big, funding is also... That's a big context of why we yes. are what we are. Government funding, um, again, for, for our, you know, non-Canadian listeners, a huge portion of, like, even large movies, large feature films, and I was telling Clark about this yesterday, um, are all, you know, there's massive government grants for a lot of arts stuff here. And so <laughs> everything has, like, a bizarrely, like, cultural tinge that sort of sometimes feels very tacked on, but also has kind mm-hmm. of found its way to just define what a lot of Canadian media is like it's literally um, ordained as part of the funding by yes. the Canada Arts Council yeah. like there has to be a requirement yeah a certain yeah. number of points there's, there's a, there'll be a point system oh, wow. of hitting certain like uh you know cultural milestones and it might be thematically it might be based on the location like, do, or do you know any of examples both? of this like we've gotten way off track here mm-hmm. but this is super interesting because <laughs> I, I want to make sure we hear the rest of your story if, and I want to hear yours yeah, yeah. but but uh, do you what are some examples of these points that a filmmaker might have to hit if they were to accept funding I mean in the most basic do you form, know any? it's like you need uh, like Canadian cast Canadian crew things like that okay, which, those count okay. towards it which is pretty obvious pretty straightforward um, right? but then you from, can from get a content perspective like cultural things like if it includes yeah well i mean like what you're thinking of saying cast and crew and that that hits with like the 80s tax bracket era why why how we brought hollywood up here mm. was saying every company you could bastards. get it <laughs> well we don't do as much as we used to we don't, and they don't they don't get as much back as they used to but at that time period all the like middle to be movies that studios would make as long as they had a certain amount of canadian cast in that they got tax deduction from it but for our television shows especially things like shall we say the mother channel cbc mm-hmm. that they do have to have a certain context about it which feels i feel for like people on the west coast because it's really when they want to name drop something they have to be like oh you have to reference something that's uh, in canada some place or a historical person of it and a lot of that ends at the east coast yeah so yeah. like the recognizable historical landmarks and the places and in, in either quebec or the uh, maybe a little bit in the prairies and stuff like that. So they're constantly name dropping these places. Mm. And if you live in BC, you're like, what about us? And they're like, yeah, well, modern history get there by the time people got there. Yeah. So yeah. it uh, it feels it, uh, mainly because it's, you know, they don't want to do it. But they're just like, we have to do it. We have to randomly have a beaver show up in this scene of it. <laughs> well, which, to a, to other film figures, that mean, means something else. But I mean, the animal. And it's, um, <laughs> or like, you know, it, it, randomly there's scenes of moose and that. And especially those people. PSAs would we even have the those PSAs that have the uh, the national the the what is it the 
Mike, you remember them? The, there's a Canadian Hinterland history. Hinterland who's who? Well, no, there's Those that. Ones? Those okay. are the animal ones. Yeah. But there's like the great Canadian history moments. It has the oh, famous. Oh, heritage. Yeah, heritage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has the, yeah, yeah. doctor, I smell burnt toast. Yeah, yeah. Which, Which has become like a meme you now. had a stroke. It's yeah. like, yeah, that this one, is a yeah. Canadian heritage moment. Anytime something horrible goes on. I have on. a friend who uh, worked for the company that produced all of those. And, and she gave me a promo DVD once of like all 45 of those oh, that were I've ever seen, made. I've got that too. I've seen and that. I yeah. had to hide it because every time people were over at my house and looking at my DVD shelf, someone would be like, oh my God, is this all the heritage movies? We got to watch all of them. And I'm like, they're all online. It's like, yeah, but we can watch them all in a row now. And because we were the <laughs> yeah. bilingual country mm-hmm. on that DVD, has other takes of the same ones. So mm-hmm. you'll have them where they're speaking French and yeah. doing the exact same skit. Mm-hmm. It's not dubbed. You could tell they're redoing it because they were like, oh, we we hired bilingual actors for it because that also <laughs> gave you uh, extra points. You could get more government credit for it. It's like Herzog's Nosferatu, how they shot it twice in a row. Yep. <laughs> yes, they'll do that Bring often. Bring it back to the origins of the Rather podcast. than dubbing, <laughs> yeah, they'll just uh, film each scene twice. And that's yeah. doomed yeah. us with Bond Cop, Bad Cop 1 and 2. Oh, yeah. gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember my mother though. renting me that. That was like a VH or maybe it was DVD. It's DVD. But it was, it was, it was uh, uh, I was sick home from school and I watched Bond Comp Bad Cop and I think I was just like in a fever dream of not remembering anything about it but then the second one came out and I was like I remember that yeah. <laughs> so. it's it's almost good the concept mm-hmm. of Let's make lethal weapon, but the difference between them is one cop's from Quebec. <laughs> like, okay, I get really early. But which like... one? <laughs> which Mel Gibson character? Yeah, or Danny yeah I, he's, he's more the Mel Gibson character. Okay. The Quebec yeah. one's supposed yeah. to be the more loose the like cannon. Yeah, he's yeah. suicidal. Yeah. yeah, he's the one who doesn't. Yeah, his, they have the suit and tie kind of cop who's from Ontario, and the edgy one who smokes all the time. Is but he's of course. but neither of them are like charismatic enough to beat either of those two, so yeah. it doesn't really matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So our back, yeah, maybe back to our very long, <laughs> our long uh, story. We just, around we there. I mean, I think bit. I was done. I was like, I, I okay, yeah. I, I, like I, movies I, of all kinds. Well, I think I that was important. Can I ask Good. one question? I, don't I mean, know. I know we're but, in uh, Toronto no, we can, here. Can I ask yeah. one question just before we get off of the like, for sure, the Canadian version of Lethal Weapon? Like, <laughs> how do you say I'm too old for this shit in Quebecois, or if I probably pronounce that uh, wrong? But can anybody like, do that here? I je trop de merde. I don't know. Trop. I'm really disappointed, guys. Nobody here can do that. This is so sad. Nobody. Nobody. We are not going to get government funding for this podcast. To take French, I know. I know. Yeah. When do we get to stop taking French? Is it grade nine? Grade nine. Yeah. Four to nine is the required. Yeah. This. Yeah. So, any American listening, the stereotype, and I see like bands coming up here all the time, and seem to think like, "Hey, how do you say whatever in French?" And it's like, I. Don't we don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'll call my random French friend I have. Let's yes, get him on the I know how to say <laughs> all to think the we all can. in French because yeah. they're all the packaging is is you know bilingual, but that's about where it stops. Right. Like in French, granola. I'll, I'll say zutalure for forever because <laughs> yeah. that's when the first time you're reading a kid's book and it mm-hmm. says oh, that must be a swear word. And I'm like, yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Erin <laughs> here is all uh, who like works and helps out here with stuff all the time too. She's always pointing out when like the bilingual, the French title on a movie makes no sense yeah like oh, versus yeah, yeah. so like uh ghostbusters is out on 4k and like the american uh you know title is ghostbusters the canadian title is ghostbusters the french canadian title is sos phantoms <laughs> exclamation mark yeah. <laughs> yeah well that's the thing that i i, I actually really yeah. love that the funniest <laughs> thing about it too is that they they they're very like independent so they don't use the like france translated title mm-hmm. they'll like translate their own 
special title. Uh, yeah, there'll be a case where a word is actually the same in English yeah. and French, and they won't, they still won't go for that word. They'll be yeah. like, we still have to give it. It has, it's gotta be be totally French. Yeah. It has yeah. to be French. Yeah. And yeah. there's no way that people in Montreal, any part of Quebec, don't say Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. No. None no. of them say SOS Phantoms. Yeah. They know what it is. They say it. In France, they say it. <laughs> I do have a thing where I, my friend from Texas, whenever she comes up, I always like to like pretend that we just have very specific, like, so mm-hmm. I always tell her, we, we convinced her for a good two years that um, our Muppets here all have different names. So I was like, oh no, it's not Kermit, it's Green Dennis. And like, <laughs> and like uh, okay, and- wait, 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 wait. Okay, wait. As the only non Canadian here, I need you to repeat this. Okay, wait, what? Wait, so I was just, I convinced real? her that, that Green Dennis was Kermit. Oh, you Madame, convinced? Okay, yeah, no, okay. I was just making all up. Because you was, actually, uh, for about five seconds I there, <laughs> I was over here going, wait a minute, wait a minute. I said that the, yeah, I said that I Br- Madame Dennis Jeanette here. was uh, Miss Piggy, <laughs> that uh, Grover was the trash man, and that uh, Le Grand Wiseau, that's pretty self explanatory, but. Where did you get uh, Green Dennis Wiseau. from? I can't remember. I think I might have seen something about it online, and I was like, I wonder if I could convince Alexa that this is actually Miss Piggy would have to be more French. She'd be like, "Shout out to Alexa." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Okay, Um, back on track though. Yes, yes. Back to uh, okay. Well, Adam, why don't we? Why don't we get your? so Lexicon. with uh, the touching story of Mike with his parents showing him, would have to wipe away a tear. Yeah, that they yeah. could get on sixteen millimeter. Um, I and before you said that, Mike, if I went first, I would have probably thrown you under the bus mm-hmm. right away and said the difference between Mike and me is Mike actually really likes film uh, as cinema, as, as cinema, yeah. and I. I'm almost literally against it. <laughs> it's, Ooh, it's okay, not, this is it, interesting. It's not really a problem with it. And that's it. fine. But my reason to show people stuff yeah. has always been a sort of sadistic thing. Mm-hmm. So my love of showing bad movies to B movies to weird movies and people be like, oh, well, you have all these foreign films in there. Like, just because they're foreign does not mean that they're high art. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, so it's, I, I don't want to like pack a room of people and I'll put on this film when I started doing stuff at the theater that we're the micro theater that we're sitting in right now, um, I started to do them on a Tuesday every month and call it Terrible Tuesday. And I wouldn't tell people what the film was till about a day before. And then we made it, there was only $2. So if you paid $2 and you hated it, you didn't really, we weren't, you wouldn't get angry. You didn't feel ripped back. off. Yeah. yeah. And it was basically so I could sit there and watch them watch the film. Um, and I don't know if it's because people did that to me back in the day or what, but I was to make my story as a young man raised by parents showing them film. Um, I was on the other end of the, the spectrum. Instead of finding film to watch on actual film, my parents were addicted to going to the video store. Mm. I was basically babysitted by the VCR so much so that I have a memory of being like six years old. And my parents had bought me a copy of Critters 2 because I loved it so much and I would I would go silent and watch and, it. And wait, how old are you about like at this six. time? I need to see the okay, yeah, there's so like six year old. Six year old watching this movie TV. that has nudity and a lot of violence and swearing in it, but done on a certain cartoon level. So as a kid it didn't like register as anything like traumatic. But if you hadn't seen the film and you only knew of it it would seem very wrong. So I have this memory of a babysitter demanding that I was lying by saying that I always watch this film. 
and took it away from me because I tried to put it in and watch it. And then my parents arguing with them afterwards going, no, we let them watch Give Critters 2 back to our son. Yeah. Yeah. And And normally it's the reverse. Like, why did you let our kid watch (laughs) this? But the kids, the babysitter thought I was lying. And so much so then thought that that was upsetting and wouldn't babysit me. (laughs) Wow. Which I think that might have stemmed the moment of like, Oh, so that's what these films do to people. This is what oh. the power I have. Yeah. I wonder if they t- took home that copy of Critters 2 <laughs> yeah. and they still have it to this day. On a PAL copy, as oh, I wow. They've got it in like the, the Annabelle case where it's like <laughs> yes. in their basement. Oh, yeah. So I, I, okay, so I'm, I'm super intrigued by this contrast. Mm-hmm. I am, intri- if I'm understanding, where you are more like you, you are, you wouldn't call yourself a cinephile. No, no, I probably wouldn't. Would, I, but Mike, you would. I I don't like that word. I, I think anything that ends with like file. Okay. I don't want to get hung up on on, on labels. Yeah, so, yeah. so let's move past that. But I mean, you know, um, this I, idea that like, would you say that like you like cinema? Like we use this word that you're like you you love cinema, whereas you're like more. Like these weird, wacky, like video store, like hidden gems, or you love watching people watch something that's like funky and weird and shocking, kind of like things that that Cullen took me to last night. And I also like films where I can accidentally sort of pinpoint what the people are like in the film. Like, I don't want it to have a sense of reality. I don't need that. But you, and even if you get into like the quotes unquote, like classic artists in the world, there are great ones like, the difference between early Scorsese and nowadays Scorsese, who's like, oh, I hate the sold out world of, of the theaters. You guys should only mm, watch mm. your true art and not Boom, Marvel. Yeah, 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 or whatever, you know. Like, but, uh, That's but, me. That's but, me, by the way. <laughs> but then you could, two weeks and Cullen. Road. Cullen, don't hide. I've heard you yeah, say no, that I'm too. <laughs> but if you take like early Scorsese, it's interesting because it's like, you can tell how this is a guy who's got to cut corners. He's got to get people together. He's got to make a friendship with the people he's doing this stuff with. Mm -hmm. And you'll get a couple of recognizable faces. And then when you start to become like this massive successful thing where you can see that this film is huge and epic, but, and then all of a sudden you're still hiring your friends into that. Then all of a sudden I become really biased about it. I become, and and it's not justified. I'm not saying that anyone else has to be like this. I'm not saying that it's, you know, good or bad really, but you love the story of this bunch of like roots, done backyard filming guys it's just yeah. a bunch of their friends they're coming up with this idea they're just packing all the equipment in the car and they're going to where they got to go it's sweating blood and tears to make yeah. this thing yeah. but then when the guys got all the same uh huge budget from a studio all this money to throw around they're you know uh, lighting their cigars with hundred dollar bills kind of thing <laughs> yet they're still just the same bunch of buddies with it all of a sudden they just seem really not cool to me it seems mm. like well we're just keeping the money for ourselves now and they're like that's mm. not the point of having your buddies doing it when it's your buddies doing it you're doing it as sort of a rebellious thing it's sort of a thing where i'm we're gonna go out and we're gonna film this movie we're gonna get it done in the time period we want to get it done in and we're gonna do it the way we want it done be that good or bad Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that no one's going to, there's not going to be a board of guys that are going to tell us this is not a good idea. This is not going to sell. But then when these characters grow older and they advertise themselves as we're still a bunch of lone rebels, says Leonardo DiCaprio as he's filming this movie that had 2000 people on a board saying, no, you should tweak that every thousand times. So it's like the punk band that like, you know, was in the seventies, you know, like playing to five people somewhere 
And now they've like, you know, they're playing like reunion tours <laughs> for like Budweiser or something. <laughs> and, and especially like like an older like punk or metal band that had songs like to uh, to be the metalhead that I am, to quote the infamous band Wasp that had a reunion tour. And I, my whole thing was like, oh, I can't wait till they do this one song where he's the whole point of that song is I'm a young rebel mm-hmm. and I'm never going to grow old. Mm-hmm. I'm going to burn out and die young. And I'm like the dude is 60 years old and 300 pounds and he's sweating out singing that song and yeah. saying, yeah, yeah. I will never dry out, die old. I'm going to burn out young. And I'm like, you missed that, buddy. It didn't happen. At Toronto's <laughs> historic Budweiser stage. stage. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. I was, Soon I mean, I thought. <laughs> yeah. And that's where all of a sudden you have to become a little bit, if you're going to enjoy that, you have to enjoy it a little sadistically. You yeah, have to be like, yeah. okay, I'm, I love this. I love that that guy is up there singing this song about, all right, Alice Cooper's out there singing a song called 18. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you don't remember what 18 is like, man. Mm-hmm. What are you doing singing this still? But I'll go and see that. It's entertaining to me, but not for the reason that it was back then. Yeah. Not yeah. for like when it was sung with a passion. It was sung with like, I had this because I was a rebellious kid. I'm like, you don't remember that at all. And it sounds, and now sings like you're singing a cover of your own song. Yeah. 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 Like, like, yeah, exactly. As you're saying, I I agree with everything, especially with like with Scorsese, something like the Irishman feels like the laziest possible thing he could do Mm. for no real reason other than like pulling a, you know, Netflix pulling a dump truck of money up to him. Like I, I like the movies where he gets out of New York and gets out of his wheelhouse. Yeah. I I, I can empathize with that a lot. I think that the, like for me, when I see something, um, be it by, you know, as someone who's famous now or not, um, or something like, you know, half the movies we saw here at the, the screening in uh, early September. Um, there is really something besides, you know, technical prowess or like a mastery of an art form when it comes down to like you actually feel, I don't even know if passion is the right word, just more so just people having fun and enjoying what they're doing and mm-hmm. that sort of thing kind of exudes less out of it. Less bureaucracy, less corporate yeah, overhead, I mean, like, less There is a shame grouping. to, I, I remember when I when I did my first feature, it was really refreshing after that to go back and do a short again because you almost feel like you're, you're less inclined to have to prove something. Like mm. you can just kind of yeah. go back to this really low risk, simple... Um, like let's just go out for a day and find a cool location and shoot something dumb and, and have yeah. fun with it. Well, right. It, it, it is, it, it, it's really an interesting lens to like, look at movies and films through. And it, like a thought that I'm having right now, as I hear you guys talking about this is that like, especially in Southern California or in Los Angeles, what I'm exposed to are, you know, so many DIY filmmakers who, you know, it is no budget, it is just your friends. It and 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 these people definitely have a passion for filmmaking. But what's interesting is that they want to be a part of the machine so desperately mm-hmm. that before they even have all of this overhead of you know having to answer to a studio or having to like you know all of this baggage that comes right with accepting money from someone and being a part of this big machine and making a product right before they even get anywhere near that space they're already acting like they're in that space because they they think that's the way to get there, right? So they're already making films that are under the constraints of all of that stuff, but without any of the money or the resources or anything else, right? Mm-hmm. So it is very interesting that um, it takes something even more than just being DIY and being small and being with your friends. It, it really is 
a state of mind that's more than all those things. It's a concept when you, I mean, there, you mentioned the, the uh, Colin, you mentioned the concept of having something to prove. There is an amazing passion when a director does go with a message and does have to do this because they do have something to prove. Mm-hmm. When there's a moment of being like, I have something to say, I want to scream it at you. I'm going to do this so I can, or this is, you know, Stallone making Rocky. It's mm-hmm. like the, mm-hmm. I'm I'm this dumb lug, but I'm gonna make this movie that's gonna make every studio love me. Mm-hmm. And then whatever he does after that, it becomes a completely different person or not. Whatever, that's that's a different story. But the concept, the story of making Rocky is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other side of it, which and, and I and I appreciate that, and I appreciate the story. But my passion comes from those guys who do not have something to prove, who are out there. Mm-hmm. They're like. We just had this story. We had this idea. We're doing this for ourselves. And maybe, maybe luckily someone else will like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, to say, like what you mentioned about how there's a lot of DIY filmmakers, but they're walking and talking like they are Hollywood because they're in LA or something like that. Yeah. We see it up here all the time. Sure, sure. We see it, up. I think, because Toronto is the Hollywood of the North. It's the, all the studios have places yeah. here. There's the, People know there's an in for it. And you find these guys who are like, we're making a weird monster movie out by the lake, but it's then we're going to show it at these festivals that yeah. might get us to the right people. I'm like, why are you doing that? Yeah. Why yeah. would why would that matter? Why is that even on your mind? Right? Yeah. yeah, and and you knew it was from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I I hate to, to judge people, but I've become biased during the time of doing Terrible Fest and doing other things here. And I think that might actually fuel me. It might fuel me to be like, oh, then I'm going to find the worst guy. Because yeah. if I find somebody, they're like, well, we did this cheesy on purpose monster movie and I'm like yeah and i know like some kids who did one too and they just stole their mom's camera i'm gonna show that one yeah. instead yeah. like and the worst <clears throat> most passionate right is an amazingly interesting combination mm-hmm. yeah yeah no, it really is it, it, tell us a little bit more about terrible fest because mm-hmm. i don't think we got into that any but i you know I, I, it's something that's new to me obviously having just met you now <laughs> but yeah tell us i mean i'm really interested in this concept well, we do. Uh, when we started Terrible Fest seven years ago, um, I actually just—it's because—and Mike has been in these. I've dragged him into it. I started making films here in the store. Uh, we started um, almost every year. We make a no-budget movie for the lulls um, that we can put on the shelf in the video store, and we can screen in the back here. Started before we were even at this location. And Mike's Adam does a masterful one. job, I should say, of like using this space in as many ways and angles as possible to make it look like, for example, like a massive uh, asylum slash science facility or something yeah. like that between like this room and, the, and different angles in the basement. So I can't wait to see some of these. If, yeah. Rock, if that's that's in rock and roll asylum yeah, yeah, is yeah, most recent. Yeah. They, um, yeah. They're all easily accessible. Okay. But within that and finding that love of those type of films, I started to find, especially in the online community, um, being in Canada, it was a little difficult to get to a lot of the more open. A lot of the guys that I, I love in that genre are American, and they're usually like middle of America, too. They're mm-hmm. not from the far West Coast. They're not from New York. Like Milwaukee they're or something. Something like that. Yeah. Wisconsin. <laughs> Wisconsin's got a lot of great weirdos yeah. up there. Yeah. And, uh, and the, the weirdos come up with this stuff and they're passionate about it they're showing it off like it's incredible but they also know that it's not so there is there is a passion and a humbleness at the same time of these guys so i I started to befriend a lot of these guys we all became sort of online buddies we'd meet up sometimes we could so the first couple of fests i was like oh can i just show your film 
it's an excuse for me to show it to people in Canada because they, it would be a pain for them to drive up here to fly up here for a small thing because they weren't going to get it at a big festival. So why not do that? Then it, after a couple of years, we opened it up that people could send it into the same film freeway that every other festival uses, which led me to meeting a lot of young uh, short filmmakers, which is actually why I first met Colin because um, his work and a bunch of other local film people, I decided to just do one day that was just local first time in young filmmakers um just to show off their shorts and have them use this room for themselves those weren't exactly and they weren't things that fit into terrible fest some of them were like if i played this people would realize that it was an independent either a student or a, like a one-off filmmaker and they might think that if i'm putting it on the list of terrible fest i'm making fun of it because mm. they're like well there's not an element of it that's funny it's not about a guy who eats a giant block of butter and that's it which will be showing at the next terrible fest in, in English <laughs> oh, short wow. film called Butterfingers. I'm I'm loving it. It's uh very happy to show that one to people and see who gags when we watch it. Um, but uh, it I, you 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 cannot understand when someone decides I'm going to passionately make a film about eating a block of butter, and they did. It's super cinematic too, which wow. is so weird. And, and, th and that's, I think that's that's, that's that's so key is that without irony, yeah, mm -hmm. right, yeah. because mm -hmm. the. There, and I don't know, nobody's like used the word cynical or cynicism, but I feel like maybe part of what you are trying to move away from is this, whether it's like this corporate industrialized cynicism, like the Irishman, I think where you're like, I've got a, a boatload of money and I'm kind of, you know, remaking the same film over and over again. And it, it's just, it feels like this corporate kind of piece of product. And there's a lot of, that's like, kind of cynicism like you know personified right yeah. it, and it almost feels like you're like no this isn't about irony this isn't about making fun of these people this is not this is like a genuine celebration of passion regardless of technical talent these things were made by people who it's like almost completely lacked a cynicism in a certain way, right? Well, I mean, and, and there's I, this there's no. this huge thing too with the like the like so bad it's good genre that's that's again I would say very cynical but it's now made too. Honestly, where it's, is what exactly I'm where these it's like are so many of those made. movies are made intentionally bad and it loses that charm. Yeah, you whereas when you get something like someone passionately making a movie about a guy eating a block of butter. Yeah. Like but, but, it's like, yeah. but it's not like, oh, I'm gonna like make this thing and it's gonna be ironic and I'm gonna, you know, it's gonna be goofy and weird. Right, if I'm well, understanding, I mean, there's, there's an maybe element you can of do saying, that too. No, there's but, an element of saying, yeah, I'm going to make it goofy and weird because but there's an honesty even in right, like, like, absolutely, and, and maybe it's a hard thing to articulate or a fine line to kind of walk, and maybe we all know it when you see it, but it's like the difference between like I'm going to purposely be weird and I'm going to purposely be or provocative. Uh, or, or, yeah, or, yeah. Or, yeah. There's a manipulation there that's different, I think, than when it comes from a place of honesty. But and at the same point, the constantly the master of the exploitation film is a uh, manipulation of people, and that's an art all on its own. It, there is, but I mean, it's yeah, yeah. And I guess this is you know this it, is a, we, you, you use the right word. It's a fine line. It's, it's a fine a, line, and what makes it interesting not, to search like like cinema is a manipulation period, right? Like mm -hmm. this is like the pictures don't even move. It's an <laughs> illusion. It's yeah. a, it's it's all a manipulation. And and the, but there's like an honest manipulation and there's like a there is a cynical kind of manipulation that I just I and maybe you know maybe you can help me here articulate that mm -hmm. where we're no, I'm I think failing. You, you you understand it yeah, for sure. Yeah. I um it my, you've seen this even the stuff that, that I've shown and the stuff that you show on a regular basis you know the difference between well 
<laughs> you put you screened Fast and the Furious at the side of a Midas, uh, so that it was in at the side of a car. Uh, too fast, too furious. Too fast, right? too fast, How did furious. I see that somewhere? So I Cullen mentioned. told yeah, me yeah, about this. Yeah, so yeah. I must have seen it from Cullen posting it somewhere. But when he told me about your screening, I was like. I've heard about this somewhere. I saw a picture of this somewhere. I was surprised at how viral that went. Uh, yeah. That was that was nice. I'm serious, and I, I don't think it was through Cullen. Uh, yeah, I, I think remember, I yeah. seriously saw this posted in one of like the film kind of like groups that I belong to. There was somewhere. this uh, I wonderful saw uh, reporter from the L.A. Times just was was walking along. She was here for TIFF. Yeah, and, I think this is where I and saw this. She took a picture of it. Yes, and posted it. Oh, I thought maybe she was one of your friends, but because uh, I knew that no, I've I seen that. Yeah, I, 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 I yes. chatted yeah. with her quite a bit, and um, you're famous now. And yeah, nah, <laughs> it's fine. I I don't strive to be. I mean, turn it into a big I, studio. I, picture, I love you know, doing these outdoor pop ups or like themed pop ups like mm-hmm. that are, are really more for like me than anyone else. Yeah, and mm-hmm. if I always say like. Whether like uh, you know, fifty people or three people show up to these like word of mouth screenings, it at the end of the day, it's just for me, and yeah. it's mm-hmm. the act of exhibition is something that I'm I'm way more into than like I have no creative drive whatsoever. Okay. I am happy to like support and partake in like other people's and you're fantastic projects, like, at that. Adams, so. I want Adam to like put me in everything he ever makes yeah. until the end of time, and and like I always say, if you know, I'm happy to be covered in blood or vomit or what or what have you. <laughs> Um, Hopefully fake but, yeah. blood and vomit. Whatever, I yeah, hope. Whatever like, it takes, yes. right? But, but I come to all this and like the Toronto scene purely as just like just someone who loves like everything of every conceivable genre, but also the act of like, you know, exhibition and and watching things in a, in spaces outside of the obvious. And unlike, I think it's kind of, actually, here's the dichotomy, because we were talking earlier, but trying to find, like, what's what's the big difference between you and I? You were talking about how you like to, like, watch the audience and see how they're reacting. Mm. And when I'm watching something, and I'm into the whole vibe of it, like, not just the movie, but, like, the, the scenery and the setting and everything, like, I turn into that, like, cinema paradiso, like, hyper-fixating mode where it's, like, just me and the movie magic. And as cheesy at AF as that sounds, I don't know if you're a PG <laughs> podcast or not. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, I just want to sort of, you know, make fun off-the-beaten-path experiences for, like, my own viewing and anyone who happens to walk by. And it, it delights me so greatly when, like, yeah, maybe it'll be like a hodgepodge of friends and then a hodgepodge of complete randos will walk by yeah. and be like, this is amazing. Why are you doing this? What's going on? I freaking love this. Without I a doubt, that. Mike and I are both extreme ADHD, but on like opposite sides of the spectrum of it. Literally, yes. But there, it's definitely still there. So it's like, you know, the same <laughs> yeah. but different. But the reason I make that screening of all the ones that you've you've done, especially when you did your through the summer finding weird locations outdoors to do it. Mm-hmm. As much as you love that movie, you lo- the screening concept was great, but there's no way that there wasn't a certain level of sarcasm and cynicism going, Haha, I'm playing the- Too Fast, Too Furious inside of a Midas workshop. They're like, <laughs> yeah. At no point did you say, well, that's a genius thing to do. You didn't really think that. It Not was like, all. this is funny. It's and, fun. And, and the fun. reason yeah. that something like that, a post about that would go viral, yeah, yeah. no one was thinking, why didn't they do that when they released the film? Why didn't Vin Diesel do it at a place that only had diesel gas and like nobody, yeah, yeah, yeah. nobody really thinks that that's really like a smart thing but they they can't deny that they find it entertaining that yeah. it's funny yeah so they do it so i i could never i want to say that when i'm picking films to, to show to people or especially at the festival i'm more picky than it and regular for me but i'd like to say oh i want to make people 
void of that cynical part of it. I want to find guys who aren't making a B movie that goes, ha ha, we made a bad movie. Right. But that's not true because mm-hmm. I, I would love to say that most of the time I've done it, but I found gold that is. Mm. It's rare. Uh, one of my favorites is a guy who made a film that's called Camp Death three in 2d and like the whole gang he even filmed it at the wrong shutter speed on purpose so when he sent it to me i'd seen a trailer and it's all sped up and i was like oh that's just the trailer and he sent me the movie and the movie is slightly like a microsecond too fast and i thought oh "Oh, did something happen in the file transfer he's like oh no that's supposed to be that yeah and like the actors that he hired in that movie are all recognizable Canadian television actors. They're all people who after that, if not before that, were real actors. So you know they're owning this movie. But the movie is the dumbest thing you've ever seen. In like five (laughs) seconds, it already spoofs 10 movies. Which if I saw someone else do that, I'd be banging my head on the table and just just stop it. And, And I think to a casual audience, if they walked in, especially because he made a secondary, like you can see that movie, Something happened to that director and he kind of like separated himself from act from filming for a while right now. So he's a little incognito right now, but very enjoyable person. But he um, he made two cuts of that film. He made one that you can see on all like the cheapy streaming places like Streamy, like Streamy, like Tubi. So you can find that movie. It's out there. But he didn't sell the movie to a major distributor. So you can't get like a Blu-ray of it anymore. You could get it from him and that was it. But if you are looking to, to test yourself to see the uh, the normal cut of Camp Death 2 in 3D. No, 3 in 2D. The joke is that it's not in 3D. Um, 3 it, Camp 2 D-E-S. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's it's got puppets. It's got a Jason ripoff. It's got your weird camp thing. It's got every South Park joke that happened in 10 seasons into like a, an hour and a half movie. But then he also made a two and a half hour cut of the film. And he only put that on Amazon to like direct buy order with it, like an Could, MOD disc, not no, as no, a digital. No, you could get a digital. Okay, so you can you can stream it from there. But it's one of those bits where you still have to, even if you have like Amazon Prime, you still got to pay another two dollars yeah. or something like that. Because yeah. um, which is weird because he definitely has like a musical number in it where he does not pay the rights for that song, <laughs> and it's not a cover of that song. The um, <laughs> The girl, the, the the very beautiful uh, daughter from, as Canadians, you guys will know Kim's Convenience. Mm-hmm. The daughter from that show, she plays a mental patient in that movie. And she's always listening to her headphones and humming to herself. And in the extreme cut of it, she does a full dance number alone in the forest to Maniac. And you find out <laughs> wow. that that's what she's listening to. You mean like and Maniac, like, Yeah, that's Maniac. all, yeah. And she does a dance number to it. Like it reenacts like the scene wow. from Flashdance. And that's not in the normal version because they it, they just played the song yeah, yeah but for some reason amazon's like well we weren't looking so they yeah. just so so that version can be found it's it's out there or it could be that amazon has their own music licensing for stuff so like kind of like to their service, i'd like to hope that's like the reason but i have a strange feeling i know that youtube sort of does that too if you're yeah. like you're partnered on youtube you get yeah. like uh i hope we're not getting him in trouble by even just yeah. oh, well, at the same point the fbi he's, is listening yeah to this he sort of left left the whole scene so i'm sure like in all the worst they could do is take it off amazon yeah jeff bezos don't get mad yeah Yeah, all right thanks thanks jeff Um. but uh there's definitely a moment where he was like i'm just making a dumb film but somewhere along the lines something happened while Mm -hmm. making it Mm -hmm. and because he met and hired real people then all of a sudden i feel like they took over 
and this film that is on paper the dumbest thing on the planet, at least for me, is is pretty amazing. Then again, if a random person, especially the air quotes cinephile, was to watch that, they probably would bang their head on the table going, that's just mm. as bad as Scary Movie 75 or like the, mm. the not scary movies, the super... Hero movie, or yeah, oh, the yeah. epic teen movie. Have you ever had yeah. that, those sort of people show up and, and walk out of a terrible fest or son of terrible fest? I screening? don't think I've ever really had anybody walk out from them, but I mean, and I will definitely throw in like one bad movie in the late, late, late part of it where I'm like, yeah, this is going to be for the people who have been drinking all night and they just want to like throw their cans at the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but luckily, and I think only of luck that I haven't had anybody walk because I, w- I would find that so interesting if I was like either an exhibitor. Or like a filmmaker, I'd want to know like what is the thing that drove people away. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, and I mean, again, we're in a small microscreen place. People, I grind into people what they're getting into when they're here. I tell people like, no, this place is not the the Alamo. They're not going to like beat you up and steal your your phone if you had yeah. your phone out. We would like you not to. We would like you to, you know, not be talking mm. all the way through the film. It also has a basement unlike the Alamo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, With real bones. Yes. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. That's true. You there will are, disappear uh, down there if you take your phone out. So, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. so uh, let's all go party downstairs. It, I, do, I do always find the Alamo uh, funny because they're so, like, they're the place that's always like, if you, you know, take out your phone, we're going to like break it and, you know, nail Wait, down really? it to a wall. At, at the There's, actual but, tourist spot? The irony of oh. the, the, no, 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 the Alamo draft house like the cinemas oh, the yeah. irony of those though is that you have people getting like served food the whole time too right. so i'm like Which is why do you care about this guy next to me on the phone when like your server's coming up and be like yeah sorry your credit card didn't go through yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like yeah. you're kind and, of you know. and i know with those guys with the draft house a lot of it is a shtick but they have those and i mean are a lot of the the second run theaters and like things in Toronto, like the review and the Royal, they play those same videos on there oh, yeah. because it's become yeah. hip now to do it. Say, if you talk, we'll send a sniper out there to yeah. shoot you. And like, it's a joke. Well, then you've I got to see like way. a Serbian film version of that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just make the uh, PSA so extreme and creepy. Well, there you go. <laughs> the Kingsway like, has like the 10 minutes of like avant-garde, like that woman baking the cake or oh, something. And it's thing. the most bizarre, you know, don't use your phone during the movie ever, but it's I like, have a strange feeling. And weird. this is, you know, not deeply personal, yeah. but I think at the King's the- Way Theater, it has some weird history that that would be the one place where they would smash your phone yes. in front of you. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. It seems like that might be the place, um, but everyone else is elite, they, and they mean it. They don't want you to be talking through it. However, mm-hmm. the, for me, I'm a Mystery Science Theater raised kid. I was like, yeah, you know, if you're not riffing on these movies, you don't care about it. Yeah. If, if this movie, these B movies that I'm playing doesn't inspire you to at least say a couple of things, that means you're not paying attention to it. You've yeah. gone to the bad movie boring level. Yeah. But granted, yeah, then you always still find that one bro guy who's like, oh, I heard this is the place where everybody makes fun of the film and they, you know, they've never been here. So he's the one guy who's just doing it all the time. Oh. And you're like, oh my God. Yeah, we, Adam and I went to see the Neil Breen's newest film, Kate, mm. The Tortured Crossing. Is that what it's called? Yeah. And remember that guy yeah. left and right, even though... Peter introduced the film as like, look, this is not MST3K. It's a packed house. Please don't be shouting stuff. You know, you can cheer for stuff, laugh at stuff. No one needs to hear your funny quips. And there was that one guy who oh, thought no. he was so funny. Yeah. Referencing like just dated normie movies from like 15 years ago. <laughs> Here's an X-Men reference. Here's a Pennywise He's, the Clown reference. Definitely one of those guys who like couldn't not yeah. say something because he even was saying just yes and no to things that happened in the film. Like yeah, he was just agreeing yeah. with stuff. So I was like, I don't see this guy, but I can hear him in this theater. Yeah. I'm like, well, that guy's not gonna 
that guy's not going to stop no matter what. Oh, yeah. But the weird thing about that, someone not local mm-hmm. sent me a video that he found on YouTube. It was like, oh, hey, this uh, have you seen the new Neil Breen? Here's a, a video of people watching the trailers, and it's that guy Look. filming. It's I, you could because I can tell where we are in the theater, and it's voice, yeah. and with, yeah, and he's going yay and laughing and making comments to his phone as he's filming the credits. Because remember during the credits, oh, we all did like a wave because yeah. yeah. every we clapped every time it said Neil Breen's yeah, name, yeah. and you can tell where it, we're just off to the side of that guy, oh, wow. and he was only like four or five seats away, and I'm like, oh my god, he's made a viral video of himself <laughs> at that theater. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, because that's sort of my problem with a lot of the online reviewers of them. There's so many, as you said about the whole, the cliche, so bad it's good. You get all these guys who are like, oh man, we'll watch this movie because it's so bad that it's good, yet they're still actually just grabbing on it. Yeah. Not like, if they needed to say that, then didn't they like it? Mm -hmm. But they're like, well, we won't get comments, we won't get reviews if we don't say negative things. Yeah. And so you get these guys who want to purposely start flame wars with these guys. And for the real, a lot of the guys who inspired me, who are the the long running no name guys, the guys who started when they were teenagers and like the shot on video days, were still doing it. Like Mark Felonia, Todd Sheets, Chris Siever, uh, Ron Bonk, and those guys. Some of those guys have definitely sold out by going into, and they know I love them, but mm-hmm. they've sold out by going into the purposefully we're going to work for the streaming sites. So we're going to make a movie every two months. It's only going to be an hour long. We're going to do it as quickly as we can. We'll CGI in the things that we want because we need to get five of them out in a year to get those hits on these, on these streaming sites so we can get paid for it. So they're just as cheap as they always were, but they lack any of the passion or the interest of it. Mm-hmm. But because they're making this quotes unquote garbage that the reviewers go out and they say, oh, well, let's find out who these guys are and let's find their old stuff. And they make fun of their old stuff. They're like shot on Super 8 stuff they did when they were teenagers and make fun of them the same way they make fun of their 45-year-old aged version where they hired a bunch of teeny boppers to jump around and play on the beach for five minutes so they could get that footage in there. And it's not the same. Mm -hmm. The movies they made at their mom's farm on Super 8 as a slasher movie, like all of them started that way. There is a... As bad as they are on the surface, there's a wonderful magic where you see, oh, this is a, a like, Todd Sheets is an, my per- favorite example of that. When Todd Sheets made movies as a teenager, all the credits have his liner notes in the credits where he's telling his teachers to go to hell. Or he's telling like people he didn't like to go to hell. So you see this like, and it's, those are not jokes. This was yeah. a problemed kid mm. who was right on that like mid 90s like if he was a couple years younger, he would have been right on that like Columbine weird kick. He's lucky that he was an adult by the time that that happened because mm. he was exactly that kid. So to watch his old stuff is like, you're watching something slightly risky. It's not, they're still silly and dumb, but you're witnessing like someone's life happening here, even mm-hmm. that he's making a monster movie. When he does it now, he's one of the better ones still to this day, but still, it, this is still a moment where it's like, I feel bad for him because he'll make a movie about clown. Uh, he did a clown noir film where there were Whoa. clowns and they were ghosts and they were also everyone spoke in the movie. Like it was a 1940s smoking gun, like 
private investigator movie for no reason. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so in his mind, he was like, this is brilliant. And the internet hated it. Uh-huh. And the internet comments were the disgustingest things of like, if you make a film like this again, I will find you and kill you. Oh, and I was yeah. like, oh my God. And, and he doesn't understand that because he grew up as this wild VHS kid. So he sees this and I've talked to him and he's like, I'm done. And then a year later, because he's Sad. addicted to it, he's not done. He's oh, back. Okay. But of those, uh, the amount of times I've heard him quit because he's lived in the internet age and he's realized, oh, was I just making that to be stupid? Mm-hmm. And someone, as soon as someone says yes, he's like, oh, well, then I better stop. And what's amazing about those guys is those guys, it's in their blood. So they'll, they'll still they'll come never back. stop. So yeah, you'll yeah. see so, once in a while, you'll see something gold again. But it's when they catch themselves being, oh, I was cynical. Oh, I was being sarcastic oh i was being lazy about it when uh sometimes it doesn't matter because if you're posting that cheap stuff on the internet the internet's mm-hmm. going to tell you that you did it that way no matter what you did yeah so yeah. i try to hope the best and give a lot of them a chance but yeah you, you can't win all the time yeah i had this weird experience happen at the royal ones which was like the reverse of everything we're talking about with the new like you know online cynicism especially among, like newer younger people i think super and ironic and so bizarre where um it was shortly before COVID, before the theater closed, uh, they were playing Fire in the Sky. Remember the D.B. Sweeney alien yeah. abduction movie? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And yep. uh, do you remember the scene where Robert Patrick finds out that there's this town hall meeting that's being held about what to do with those abductees and are they lying or, mm. or are they not? And, he, and so he goes into the town hall and finds out that they're all talking about him. And he's like, what are you all doing? Come on. And he, he starts doing this, the Jimmy Stewart thing of like, you know, Frank, my kids go to school with your kids. <laughs> Larry, I, I've been buying your chicken feed. My wife baked you an apple yeah. pie last week. It, it's such a cliche trope, and everyone in the theater was like, was like chuckling at that. And the Royals' clientele was predominantly. This is a really cool rep theater that I wish would still be a rep theater, but it's not quite that anymore. But Cafe. the clientele was like, you know, like thirty to forty-ish. Yeah. And this guy was right in front of me, and that's why you know his like age stood out to me. He looked like just nineteen-year-old bro there with like you know two friends and you could tell he was really perturbed by people chuckling at this scene and he he stood up and and shouted at the whole crowd what are you all laughing at i don't get it i don't get it what's so funny what's wait 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 please tell me he pointed to people in the theater and was like you we were in a movie together just last week and you didn't say a word i just bought popcorn right behind you martini please tell me he did that no that would have brought the house wildly gesturing with his hands and i couldn't tell if it was just like oh like oh you sweet summer child like is this your first experience of like a rep screening or like or he's young enough that he he didn't know what like tropes are like wow. this, yeah. this has become a trope or a cliche, yeah. like the like town hall sort of like. Thing. But the, the Simpsons, for Pete's sake, has done it like yeah, you know. Yeah. But the passion times. to stand up, yeah. I admire in it the in a theater. Way. I mean, yeah. I'm like, I can't. I mean, <laughs> as bold as I would like to think that I might be in certain circumstances, yeah. I could never fathom doing that myself. I would oh not have God. the like the gumption to do something like I that. Know. I couldn't fathom it. I have never experienced anything like that. Usually it's the reverse where one person, like we mentioned at the, the Neil Breen screen is being kind of annoying. He wasn't that bad, but like, and everyone else kind of wants that person to be quiet. This mm. was like someone not understanding why the entire rest of the theater is reacting right. the way they do. And don't you see what's it playing on the screen? This is an Don't you people movie. have a heart? This man's... This is <laughs> cinema. He's been abducted by aliens for Pete's sake. <laughs> as much as I would laugh at that guy, again, that's the fun of cult cinema. And that yeah. movie yeah. is yeah. a cult movie. Because it yeah. it's there's people who are like, you talk to a 
a normie, I guess, as you want to call it, like the, you know, and I deep down still consider myself that, but someone who just you know, watches the pop culture films that are on there. Mm. And that's one of those movies that comes up where they're like, oh, people really didn't understand that when that happened. And my reaction is like, oh, shut up. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. but there are people who, who they love that and they believe that. So I'm great. Good for them. Cause it's not that bad a movie. So why not? But mm-hmm. um, I think an example to bring that cynicism into it. Um, I did not. Did you go to the TIFF Harmony Kareem screening? No, I've act- I don't think I've ever seen a Harmony Queen theatrical. Even though so I like his, I did not do a Harmony movie on the podcast. Yeah. By the way, oh yeah, yeah. you've done one. No, we, we haven't. Need to. Oh, yeah. This reminds me. This oh, reminds oh. me. So, um, his new film is mainly done is like joking on the video game to movie trope. Almost, okay. it's done in heat vision. Mm-hmm. And it's done as a slightly mumblecore movie about an assassin, and a lot of times you're seeing through his vision isn't sometimes. it like all in like a faux infrared right it's like yeah it's like yeah, I haven't, i've not seen it vision. yet i've not yeah. seen it was so, it at tiff yeah recently? it was at tiff oh, it was okay. the, it was the opener for um if not the opener it was like the steal away movie for um, midnight madden okay. peter was yeah talking yeah. about it and, and um, yeah, I didn't so I, and i talked i did not go to it because uh-huh. just timing and also when seeing that it was all going to be in like predator vision i was like oh my god if i sit through that whole thing i'm gonna be like dizzy probably mm. i'll wait till i can pause to go make a snack and come back but years ago i did go to the semi-secret uh tiff screening uh, during tiff anyway that he premiered trash humpers which is like his like most anti-movie ever Mm -hmm. and harmony basically makes a semi-real film that he seems to feel guilty so he makes it like anti- film movie right afterwards trash number is probably the worst of that so i didn't know what the movie was someone came up to me in a park and gave me tickets for it it was like demons where the guy comes up to the mall and says yeah it says take these tickets and i was like okay so a bunch of us went i got there five minutes late so i did not see anyone intro it it already started as i came in Mm -hmm. only just started and my joke to myself was if it's not just people trumping humping trash cans i don't want this Oops. And it literally was. Yep. <laughs> and it and, and that's and that's some skateboards. Happened. Right. Yes. Yeah. And and all sorts of weird stuff. So we, that movie would be amazing if you put it on a VHS tape and left it at someone's door and ran away. Oh yeah. And they just found it and didn't know anything about it. Mm. But I made a joke in the middle of it. It was like, seems like Harmony Kareen just lost his mind. And we didn't know that that's who it was. The movie was and then everyone started leaving. Everyone was everyone thought this was some sort of beautiful tiff film so there were all these people dressed up for it because they thought it was something why would you think with that title and it was at like an off hidden away theater like on the university campus yeah i mean to be to be okay no because it was before the light box existed i mean to be fair the title is trash numbers yeah is is an accurate it's not false advertising well you got these people who you know they they put and i i wonder if it drives them crazy or not but they put like john waters on a pedestal and uh some and then i imagine he watches them watching his films shaking his head going okay fine if you like it you like it but why do you like it for that reason Mm. um Waters also seems like a guy who doesn't bother to ask questions anymore. He's like, it's fine. I accept that. But the film ended and Harmony Kareen came out and he came out very well dressed and he just very casually said, so what do you guys think? And like, a th- like more than a third of the audience was gone, yeah. which just caused me to bust out laughter just so loud as everyone's quiet mm-hmm. and there's me laughing and he goes, obviously that guy liked it. And, and, and I'm just losing it because I'm like, oh, it is. 
And I'm, I wanted to ask questions, but I couldn't. I was just like, I'm boggled this yeah. happened. And oh. no one. Like, how do you even ask questions about that movie? Yeah. That movie is like wow. unassailable. Yeah. It's like, one or two people tried. Yeah. And, and it was, he's like, well, I don't know. What, what, do, you, what do you want? Yeah. Because he's renownedly kind of a troublemaker and a, a, a troll but, at but that. But often yeah. a fantastic interview. Oh, yeah. And because he's, but he was downplaying it on purpose because he knew you were already messed up. Yeah. What I have heard from people who were at the recent screening of, of the new one, which the name is not coming to me at the moment. Uh, it's like... The Heat Vision one? Yeah, the Heat yeah. Vision one, yeah. I, I it's a one was thinking about title. it literally last I mean, night. But yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But Whatever it's... It um, yeah, I've, I'll remember once I actually see it. Yeah. So I can't judge this because I wasn't actually there. But people were like, oh, what was your experience with the Trash Hoppers one? Explain that. And they said, when he came out, he came out with a mask on and like, but not like a COVID mask, like a Halloween mask. Yeah. And was like... And really, really bright colors, and was like dancing around, going, "Didn't you think that was funny? Didn't you think it was crazy?" And he knew <laughs> it is because he knew that now he's now too cool that people are going to lie to him. Yes. So the whole audience yeah. applauded, mm. and they're all like, "That's incredible! That's great!" And he's like, "No, it's not." <laughs> I think and he and Peter did like a dance at the beginning with like a skull or yeah, a stick or yeah. something. I and saw, he came yeah, yeah. out being all wacky, and he was just like pointing at them, being like, "Come on, say something bad!" Because he knew they weren't going to. Because now yeah. they were like, "No, we. This is the sold out show. We all came to this. Nobody left this time because now we're he's respectable. Yeah, and now he's yeah. a respectable filmmaker, and they know well, this is art. Obviously, it's art. And then I, you, you know, he just hung out in an alleyway somewhere and listened when people were like leaving going what the hell was that yeah yeah <laughs> and he was like oh good i can still upset people yes <laughs> yeah. this concept that at a certain point you can make garbage like but, but you've become under the level mm -hmm. and I, I don't know if I want to like encourage Harmony Green to always do that mm -hmm. but there is a wonderful thing that he'll be like okay I'm successful enough now I can purposely make this to upset you which feels like old grindhouse thing the things that guys like tarantino and eli roth wish they were actually mm. doing mm. and they're like you you can't do it anymore by doing texas chainsaw massacre now now you have to make a movie that hurts people's eyes and you can't hear the dialogue on purpose yeah yeah, yeah. when you try and do it with the intention of making like a full grindhouse and i'm not talking about like robert rodriguez's grindhouse because that i mean that's its own thing that is clearly just yeah. wearing its it, itself on its sleeve. But when you try and make something that with that intention, it always like it seems transparent. Yeah. You try and to be transgressive, but, but just, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah it yeah. doesn't work. And, yeah. But the fact that a, a you have to be a legit weirdo to be able well, to do I that think stuff. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's the honesty that I was trying to and, talk about. Is yeah. that it really mm -hmm. wh whoever you are, whatever this thing is in you, the film your work has to come from that. It, 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 well, right. I, I think it's a, one of those things too, where it's like, like I've never seen a, a in-person screening of like the room, but I almost feel like it would have been way funnier and way more enjoyable to have seen that in its like first run when nobody knew what to expect, when people were just going to a movie yeah, and absolutely. walking out on it versus going no where people bring like what they bring like footballs and spoons and stuff now. Cause like, yeah. that's no, it's thing. a lucky horror picture. Well, show exactly. Like it's like, there's this and, and sure. Like people enjoy that. That's fine welcome too. to it's enjoy a, that but, but thing. i feel exactly like where there's this kind of expectation of like no no we like it because it's like this whereas i can't imagine again being like someone like corinne or you're like no 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 no, no. that's not what i'm going oh, yeah. for like yeah, i don't want that audience to come and enjoy it i want to like i want to go back to the roots of people having no idea what the hell they're seeing he, he was 
I think he was hoping that people would walk out, but yeah. it, uh, but at the same point, it, the way it does become an honesty is only because it still wasn't done in an ex- expectation by anybody else. It was done in a way that only Harmony Korine could yeah, do it. That yes. movie was, was yeah. as, as trolling and as upsetting to people and only a way that he could do it. If someone else tried to do it later, it would obviously be like you're, you're homaging your, or just straight up ripping off. Yeah. But, um, you know, on that example of it. However, I, to connect back to how Mike and I are different in the same, which is the, really a theme from a while ago, not knowing this, mm-hmm. uh, Mike and I have a common friend, uh, Mr. Connell Pendergrass. That's how you pronounce it. Pendergast. Pendergast. Yeah. There's not an R in there. That's a great uh, name. Yeah. Connell is uh, a, uh, he did, he still does film and to, to different extents. Yeah, he's he experimenting with stuff. different kinds of animation and uh, and it really fits his own illustration style really well. Yeah, he was he actually made, acting uh, in a, a Friends uh, B-movie the, oh, yeah, last summer too. Yeah. Was he at the Hundreds of Beaver screening? Uh, I believe he might have. Okay. Yes, I think he was. Yeah, I think yeah, I met him there. Yeah. I met him there, yeah. Yeah, and he made two uh, DIY features in 2000 and 2003, if I recall, called Flesh Freaks and Kill Them and Eat Them. Yeah. Which... Um, a friend of ours has put it on his label already, Gold Ninja Video. Uh, but they're also about to come out through, I think, Saturn's Core. Yeah, the next the, uh, that OCN yeah. uh, partner label. They um, and uh, yeah, so we b- both they, met him independently of each other. Right, and we we had met each other, and then we realized we both knew Connell. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same connection to bad movies comes up with how I first met Connell, and when I knew I'd already known you for a little while, so it became even funnier to find out this way. But um, Connell and I were doing. A commercial for the Royal. And oh, was, was that the, the Shaun of the Dead? The Shaun of the Dead. The stuff for, for, for Edgar Wright. That was for the Edgar Wright Marathon. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Edgar Wright was playing a bunch of films at this one theater for a couple of weeks while Scott Pilgrim was being filmed, and we volunteered to make commercials for them each week that would play during the week at the theater, and then his night would show up. So um, Connell and I met with this group of film geeks, and uh, I didn't know from anybody he was definitely stealing the scenes he was like this guy should be leading and doing more stuff um and then i had bought that one of the nights i showed up for one of the film shoots i just bought this compilation dvd set of like 50 bad movies and i said i bought this specifically for this movie called suburban sasquatch it's the funniest thing on the planet (laughs) he's like oh the disc that it's on what else is on that disc and i was like oh it says this this and this did did you watch the rest of them no, no, I haven't. And I didn't, since I didn't know him, I didn't read that as a loaded question. I didn't notice that the last movie on that disc was Kill Him and Eat Him. And then I put it on right after that. And it's his face, the first thing you see. And it's that classic, I'm right out of high school making a film. The first scene's going to be me on the phone talking mm-hmm. to my other friend on the phone so we can <laughs> stand in front of cameras. Um, it, it's it's either that one. And then I watched Flesh Freaks. And I can't remember which one of them has... It's his vacation footage. That's Flesh Freaks. That's yeah. Flesh Freaks. Yeah, and he edited that in to be like, so it's like a 70s cannibal film because he went out to like. Actually, you just did the thing that always uh, irked him where he's, uh, so many of their bad reviews would be people complaining about, oh, this guy edited all his vacation footage into it. But his dad is some re- really renowned archaeologist. And it's, and that it's, was it's like so well, good. Yeah. It's, yeah. So he shot these Terrence Malicky yeah. shots of birds in the jungle. <laughs> and that's and what to other yeah. people would have first seemed like that. And people make that joke and I'm like, dude, it is basically that, but it wasn't it was made for his film, but he was there. He has ownership of the footage. It's his family filming it, but it's so good. Yeah, yeah. It's like it, it's so still it's so he's like, "Well, why am I not doing this? I love the idea of making movies." So but then, but it's Kill 'em and Eat 'em mm-hmm. that comes into play later on. As I are 
other co-friends that we have done projects with. Uh, I dragged them into some of the first films we ever made through Riot at the Movies, which again became the project to always film in this theater here. But uh, we'd filmed some about a guy who just wears a monkey mask and he's a, he's a killer who might may or may not be a monkey man. <laughs> Simple <laughs> stuff. Um, and you weren't in that, but we were showing it off and talking about it. And then you had mentioned, oh yeah, I'm the guy wearing the blue paper mache monster mask in Kill Them and Kill Eat Them. Eat them. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, I've seen that like a dozen times yeah, and, had, yeah. and had known you for like over a year already, but because you're wearing a mask and you're just, oh, I'm Chris Monster guy <laughs> that I, if, because it was filmed like a decade before, I've never put, I didn't bother to read the credits, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Even if I didn't know Connell, I, I would love those movies because it shows so much of Toronto on film and how much it's changed since then. Mm. And like we talked about that in the commentary and Kill Them and Eat Them about how there's like whole shots of that movie where it's just like bright skies and you can almost see the lake and it's like that that's all condos today yeah like it's mm -hmm. all gone and yeah. just that like 15 plus years or to go for a circle and connect it back to the tax bracket days when hollywood started coming up here mm -hmm. police academy one this got to be one where it's all its riot scenes take place in uh, Kensington, Kensington Market. Market yeah. And Kensington Market has not changed at yes. all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. They, kind of, yeah. The yeah. fact that there was a place, which I think that closed, it was called Cheese Magic. Yep. And you see it in Police Academy, and that only closed down a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. And I was like, now that one scene from Police Academy is not relevant it's anymore. It's outdated now. <laughs> Has anyone ever done a Police Academy locations tour? Like, that should be us. Oh, yeah. Wow. I mean, people do Degrassi locations. Has anyone tours? ever done a Police Academy 2? Has anyone done a Police Academy 3 location tour? Let's repeat this joke one more time. <laughs> I'm pretty sure 4 is done here, too. It's like a Greg Turkin thing. I don't think Mission to Moscow was shot here. No. It was probably shot in Romania. Yeah. It's definitely oh in Moscow either. But there, there definitely yeah. has been videos online of people doing Short Circuit 2 locations oh, okay. where they have to find all the parts of Short Circuit yeah. 2 that are because those are all like just center of downtown they didn't even bother to like spread out at all I remember my first ever what like well actually moment as like a little kid was watching an episode of Muppet Babies where they <laughs> superimposed Gonzo into riding around on Johnny Five for like a, a, a chunk because remember oh, they were yeah. always using movie footage yeah. and uh and, you know, so you see Johnny Five going around Toronto and the world's biggest bookstore and whatnot. And then uh, Gonzo mentions that they're in Detroit. And I remember being like aghast. I was, cause I was so excited to see, as a little kid, when you see your own city and your own places on screen, it's recognizable. Yeah. More so when they, they're playing themselves, which yeah. I, short, short Circuit 2, I don't think it's ever mentioned what city it is. If anything, I think they're trying to say it's New York. Yeah, I think they probably are. They're... Yeah, it's, it's just the big city. Yeah. Right? And I was just aghast. Like, Gon Gonzo, wait, Gonzo says Detroit. It's not Detroit. Detroit's not this pretty. Look, had look we have a tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder yeah. if Robocop had happened yet. And they were just Maybe. like, robot. Robots come from Detroit, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, ironically, yeah, the Robocop show was shot here. Yeah. Also taking place in Detroit. Both well, shows. and, and Both the, shows, yeah. uh, the, the Robocop remake was shot down the street from oh my God, Robocop. Wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, gosh, I, you're talking about Robocop now. I was going to say, uh, now that I'm spending some time here in Toronto, I don't really, you know, I, you're reminding me of how many films were shot here. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, Cullen, I need that Police Academy tour while I'm here. I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't think we'll you're going to get into the Royal Canadian but, Yacht Club. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it had, literally sure has its own ferry. Like you all you need is a jacket, right? That's the end of part two, though, isn't it? That's three. Oh, three. Okay. Yeah, that's the first but one. But I all amalgamate all. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the boroughs. Um, <laughs> I did I once do. Uh, get invited to some like cha like charity dinner oh, really? or some work event at the Royal Canadian Yacht Club, and oh. all I could think was like, "It's Police Academy." Like, <laughs> wow, well, it like, sounds so fancy. This is where yeah. the boat crashed into the thing, and there's where the. Boat I do. Uh, <laughs> I think that I want to get briefly personal. Okay, briefly, because um, mm -hmm. you mentioned 
uh, a bit ago about the idea that like someone's making a like monster movie down by the lake, but they've got this idea of getting into a festival the whole time and how that can kind of um, that can kind of, you know, dim like. I don't know. Well, it puts your thinking in a box, like before you know you're ever in one. I mean that right because you're, you're yeah, you're trying to like pr guess what somebody wants. Well, exactly. Well, and, I mean, and create something that's like marketable, right? Or that you know, how am I going to get this has an audience? How am I going to get yeah. this accepted by the powers that be? I mean, that's at least what I you know. You see so many people who aren't really making the films because there's something inside of them that says I have to make this. They're making it because they're like I want to get a job. Or I want to, you know, I yeah. want to get money for that next movie or the next movie. I want to be in the system. Well, I remember when I, I when know. I did, yeah, when I did, so when I did Daylight again, which was my first feature, like I, of course, had passion about it. And I I liked the script and things like that, but that was my mistake. Was that like I look back on it now, and I see so much of that in it, and I don't really feel much for it because what of do you that. see? What do you see in it? I just see that it was it was that that was my uh, like you said, you, I put myself into a goal. box, okay. on the outset, and okay. then I see things like I think something that inspires me greatly is Terry's movie, Open Doom Crescendo, which is just so impeccably honest to what Terry wanted that to be. And that really inspired yeah. when I did my second feature, which I'm still cutting together now, like that, I basically made What's a- What's your second? Uh, it's human nature. So I'm, it'll, okay. I'm, I don't know when it'll be done, but I basically made a, a pact with myself that I would not make a decision on that movie. I would not sit down and edit it unless I was, unless there was some bit of inspiration to do so. And that like, I had to get that inspiration from just anywhere, but I was not going to sit down and set myself a deadline and be like, well, I need to get in this festival. I need to get it like done for whatever down the road. I was just going to be completely honest. And a lot of that came from Terry, who is a, a filmmaker that lives in Montreal. Terry Chu. Uh, Terry Chu, who yep. uh, his, his second feature, Open Doom Crescendo, has been having like a road show mm -hmm. over the past year or so. Um, but again, like I think it goes back to kind of what we were talking about, where it's just so like you just feel how personal the movie is and how, how he oh, it yeah. just like it is all Terry. Um, that kind of is like what Adam was saying about uh, Sylvester Stallone's journey yes, making Rocky exactly, One. exactly. Yeah. Like when I first saw uh open doom crescendo and first met terry uh at the paradise last year when it premiered in toronto like he mentioned on stage i hadn't even spoken to him yet but he mentioned when uh during the introduction that uh, it all started with him sort of writing a little manifesto which is kind mm -hmm. of the prelude to the film and it's not particularly long it's maybe like 15 20 pages and he said you know like hit me up if you want a copy of it and i found him in the lobby after and said like I, I'd love to read that. Yeah, I got a copy I love too. the film. I and I'm yes, I will happily always read any back matter that or prelude material that is like meant to sort of tie into mm -hmm. a film. And he was like, well, really? You want the link? And I was like, Yeah, absolutely. And I read it and it just it made the film that all the film that already seems so personal and such a journey for someone uh for anyone, but let mm -hmm. alone like, like Terry, uh it just made so much more sense and felt more personal reading the sort of uh, genesis of it yeah. too. In and this I, I think that that's what's really, yeah. really special about it as well is just that like, again, it goes through pretty much everything we've been talking about today, which is that um, it's like a movie that's over three hours. And mm -hmm. you hear that, you're like, oh my goodness, this this like low budget, no budget movie shot over three hours in like, a, like an empty quarry in Montreal. Like, mm -hmm. how am I going to get through this? And then you have no trouble getting through it because it's just so... Yeah, and, yeah, like it's just so enticing. You have no idea where it's going. It keeps you like glued to the screen the whole time. It's like a like an audio visual experience. But um, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up and then throw that in there, just because I think like something like that is is really what to me makes like cinema special. Like yeah. it's not about you know the gear. It's not about the like oh whether or not you went to film school or something like that. It's about 
being completely honest with yourself. Oh, yeah. Something like that'll be always way totally. more interesting than... than Even uh, if I didn't like Open Doom Crescendo, which I do, I've oft said, I, I'm actually pretty sure it's my favorite movie of 2022 mm-hmm. that I saw theatrically. Even if I didn't like it, I would just so freaking respect what it's trying yeah. to do and how personal it feels. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Even if it was my bottom thing of the year, it would be my like top presentation of a film of the year. Yeah. Via like his MO behind it and the and the story behind what went into it. Yeah. It, but it is my favorite film of 2020. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There there comes with a I'm and I also super love his first film Mango Shake. Mm-hmm. So many people when I try to sell them on that concept and they don't uh, they're like, ah, I don't, I don't get it. Just explain that movie being what I refer to is what if, uh, you made like a dark, irreverent peanuts movie. Um, and but, that's a great, pitch, yeah, that's yeah, a yeah, great yeah, hook. And they, yeah. uh, without being dark, it's, it is dark, but at no point is it ever negative, which no. is the most weirdest thing that people can't do that, which comes in the concept of balance because you, if you want to be an artist, and, and Terry will say this because I, I know he, like myself, or people who I think are our own worst critics, um, will be like, well, I want to be an artist. So I don't I hate if I saw this thing, I saw this thing I made and I saw the textbook and I didn't see me in it. It was I saw the textbook I read that taught me how to do this film. And that's what I saw in my finished products out of myself. Mm-hmm. However, luckily for guys like Terry, he does have a certain level of skill. So yeah. he can do something that's counterculture, that's counter cinema, that's purposely three hours long. That at one point in the middle of the film reminds you that it's three hours long and says too bad to you. And then you still appreciate it because even with no budget, no fancy bells and whistles, he still has a skill to make a movie. Mm-hmm. I said to myself, if I made one for three hours long, you would not want to get through that. Because <laughs> my shot on video punk rock thing of guy bumping into things on camera, <laughs> I'll do it so many times on purpose that I'll then do it two more times to make it sound like I did it as a running gag. I but, would sit through three hours of rock and roll asylum. I'm uh, just I'm just uh, laying out. But again, we're, mean, all we're, we're all our own worst enemies. Yeah, critics. and I know as I put I, myself That right movie was thoroughly enjoyable start to finish and when it, it was done it was like that was a feature-length film i thought that was like half an hour it just zoomed by absolutely uh, that's a luxury of having good friends yeah. because you have good people to do stuff with you you have amazing song written by a cool guy that we know jordan so Joff, yeah Joff, yeah who's yeah. does the amazing no budget but hilarious dinosaurs and mining facility who is planning to someday make a sequel and has been showing me a lot of computer graphic skills for it i'm like wait now you're too good. What's going to happen with that? How are you going to make this film that's actually good? Won't that take away the SOVs, like the the uh, kids making a movie by mistake charm from it? He's like, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to have to figure out how to find something to challenge myself in the middle of this project yeah. to make that come out. So we'll see. But that's the wonder of finding these weird young guys or amazingly finding Ed. By the way, Mike, you still have to find my DVD copy of Man with a Board, a Board with a Nail in It Man that I lent to you. Eons I haven't watched that yet. I'll watch All it. Right. I'll give it back Which right is also yeah, like yeah. two hours long. Okay. It's in my by, like backlog pile, but I'll move it to the top. <laughs> made yeah. by a guy from, I think, maybe he's, I think he's more middle of the States now, but I think at that time he was out in California mm-hmm. and had this dream and he made this way too long comedic superhero movie, which is bad. And, but it's like a charming bad because you know this is a guy who's so innocent mm-hmm. about what he wants to do. And so to watch it is the reason why the world never got it. And it was made like 20 years ago. Then with no shame, 
just before COVID, he made a movie. Uh, his name is, which sounds fake, Chuck McGee, of all things. <laughs> that's his real name. Uh, and he made a movie called Cocaine Snorting Crabs from Outer Space. And he's 25 years older than he was in that other film. And he is, and it's the funniest thing that I'd ever seen, but he didn't do anything with it. He just played it to some friends. We sent it into the festival just after COVID had kind of died off. And we were going to do another in screening thing but at that point cocaine bear came out and he's like everyone's gonna think i'm just making fun of that because all these other guys who were the make a movie of the week to get on tubi have made a uh crocodile is coming out we've got a cracoon which sadly was already a movie called that but didn't stop them we had uh cocaine shark is already out um meth so, crabs meth, well that's that, one that, that's sort of straight out ripping chuck off great of trailer though so <laughs> i had then i said there's a company that releases these films yeah. as those ripoffs they'll pay you for this and he's like well i'm not one of those and like well let me get them your number let them call you and you call me back and tell me what you said after they offered you something for it. So he messaged me back. He goes, oh man, it was way better than I thought. They got the movie. I just gave it to them. And, uh, <laughs> and, but they released it. to seen it from cocaine snorting crabs from outer space to just cocaine crabs from outer space. So right. the cover and the poster can be written in the same font as cocaine bear. And oh, it's like, it's like doesn't that them. just steal your soul? And he's like, amazing. dude, the movie was made to be funny. And it was like, it was a joke. He goes, I wasn't going to do anything with it if you yeah. didn't find it. It didn't tell me to do it. And I'm like, well, that makes me so happy. And he's like, it, it, the fact that he got a payday out of it, he's like, well, I guess maybe I'll make another movie. So yeah. we'll see what Chuck McGee's next ridiculous well, thing bravo. will be. That's next year. incredible. Yeah. Wow. So there's a why there's that level between, yeah. you know, oh, sometimes the two selling out and like I made this as a fun thing for me. It's like, yeah, you also got to get paid sometimes too. Yeah. You also got to get the concept that. If no one sees it, even if they don't like it, and that's why I've now sent mine that we just made for the theater seat, but now I'm sending them out to the world and I, our Amityville outhouse, I had to like lick a hundred stamps and send them all out and realize how expensive it was to mail things from Canada to the States because only Americans seem to want to watch it. And we sent all those copies out and I'm like, oh yeah, only half of them actually liked it after the fact. But half of them did like it, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. that's a whole other thing. And it was just made for me and for the guys here. And the fact that that happened, and I'm like, okay, no, then I have to. The next time I do it, I have to make it where I'm willing to. Before, when I did the first one, I was like, no, I'm not looking at 100 stamps. I'm not sending those out to you guys too bad. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I don't care if I made money out of it particularly. But the fact that you, you just don't know that those people would care. It's worth the chance. People saw it and people liked it. And that's, yeah. yeah even if they didn't, the yeah. fact that people saw it and talk about it, I was always hoping that I would have that, you know, again, because I'm one of those kids that watched those same documentaries about, here's how all those horror guys from the 70s made these grungy films and got themselves, like, you know, they all got pneumonia while I'm making this movie out in the bayou. And then they became real studio guys. And for a moment, that was a dream. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, no, I don't care about any of that. I just want some time before I die for somebody's book to say, and then I, I reviewed this piece of crap. I <laughs> <laughs> know that they still had to put it in there. Yeah. Yeah. Red Letter Media did a thing about all these people that, that ripped off Amityville. And as they were listing through the IMDb's list of Amity things, halfway through it, they're like, wait a minute. I don't think these guys are ripping it off. I think they're all making fun of each other. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, and then they popped in and, showed up the cover for Amityville Outhouse. And the one guy just said, I can't even make fun of this. 
spun through it. This guy knows what he did. Shame on him. And he's like, it's, he also knows we can't make fun of it because of what he did. Yeah. But then he said, it's just a low budget thing. He doesn't really care. And I'm like, dude, we're all low budget. All these ones are made yeah, for yeah. nothing. Yeah. They're not yeah. made for thousands. They're not made for millions. They're made for hundreds. And if even. If even. Yeah. That. yeah. Got and nobody got paid. You got $100. Yeah. yeah. I got $100. And then that cost me that to mail the things out. Yeah. So whatever. But I made Amityville Outhouse because a certain other B-movie guy in our network who lives out of California as well, he made three of them. And I hated them all so badly that one of my friends said, oh, his films are just an Amityville outhouse. And I said, hang on, give me a day. I'll write a script for that. And <laughs> we just we just did it. Um, but it was funny because it then became in that zeitgeist of the internet going, there's people who don't quite get it. They think, someone said, Hollywood is running out of ideas. I'm like, just because some of those are made in at LA, they are not Hollywood. No, yeah. these no. are made by guys in their houses. Still, they're still yeah. in their basements. They're still at the edit out when their mom comes and opens the door. Going, you guys finished filming down there? <laughs> they're all caught. You know, that's they don't get that there are these guys out there who are doing that. It's sad when you see some of those guys get a little jaded from it because they're like, well, where is that payday? And if it's not, I'm going to cut corners even more. But it's the it's that dream being dingled over their heads that makes them do it. Mm -hmm. Like the fact mm -hmm. that they saw this documentary about how. Sam Raimi went out and made the first Evil Dead, and they all think, "Well, that's how I have to do it." That's why they're all making horror films. That's mm -hmm. why these guys are like, "Well, yeah. all the like golden stories about the backyard guys were all of that genre." So they think that's how you do it still to this day. They don't get that. I think really this, the guys who are gonna make a no budget film and go to a festival now, it's like a bunch of the guys in the same scene with me did that for a while. They sent their stuff to festivals and they said forget it it's the thing i love it. the most about your amityville outhouse feature is that it would be so easy and lazy just to like even churn out something already made and call it that yeah. as a joke of like here's another one on the market but the fact yeah. that it's actually intended to be in canon with the original films and house <laughs> for, for one the, second one the, second we connect well just those. the backstory that yeah. it's like the wood from the original house was after it was destroyed was used to build this outhouse that's uh, you know in the Middle humber trail here which like harkens back to the the cursed objects films which were the amityville like four six seven eight yeah. if i yes. recall yeah yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah so like you could watch like that first trilogy and like the cursed objects trilogy <laughs> and amityville outhouse and they do form like a it's cohesive canonical. whole right yeah it's totally yeah. canon yeah, yeah. <laughs> i do i do think that's a, a good point though is that like one thing that i always always think about was when i like you put something on YouTube and it's kind of like, well, you know, I have that choice of do I put it online or do I chase it around to festivals mm -hmm. for two years and spend money doing that and hope that, you know, maybe somebody will see it somewhere and send me money for it. But at the same time, it's like, or I could put it online and there'll be 3000 people that have seen it now that wouldn't have seen it otherwise. Yeah. Right. And it's like, you get this kind of like, obviously you're not going to make a ton of money. And like you said, you, you, there's a point where you need that payday, but also at the same time, you know, who, who, if people are seeing it, that's what exactly. I made it for. There's the this friend day, right? of ours, Christopher Brown, who made uh, an awesome feature called Schizopolis 2. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's oh, meant wow. as a sequel to Soderbergh's Schizopolis. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And he premiered so it good. here. It's it's incredible. And it's this meta film where he himself, in real life, is a Soderbergh super fan. He's his, <laughs> his favorite screenwriter and director. Um, he owns everything, you know, so many books about Soderbergh. And and it's him somehow 
like like Berenstein Berenstein shifting into a reality where he still has his house and family, but Steven Soderbergh uh, became like a Hollywood hack and only directed like you know Battleship and, and stuff like that, <laughs> and he doesn't know what's happening. And then uh, you know it, that sort of butterfly effects into other things being wrong with that universe too. So he made the film, he played it here, uh, and like I love I love Letterboxd. I have like three different accounts I use for different means, and. Um, I don't know if anyone knows how Letterbox works, where there's this not Letterboxd affiliated site called the Movie DB, yeah. where it's kind of a wiki and yeah, TMDB, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I created this like as authoritative as can be entry for Schizopolis Two, mm-hmm. which then led to it being on Letterbox and led to it getting, mm. uh, you know, some recognition and people looking it up. And then like Film Threat magazine found it and reviewed it and gave it this like quite good review and. And I think it was because Film Threat reviewed it that some incredibly pedantic person, whether a Soderbergh super fan or, or whatnot, um, who had more sort of, I guess, whatever they call editor cachet on like TMDB, uh, marked it for deletion and cited <sighs> the reason as like fan films not allowed. Yeah. And I was like, is it is this Get a fan film? Here. Like, are you just like angry that like you think someone's mocking Soderbergh? Are you trying to gatekeep Soderbergh? Yeah. Like what, YouTube was gonna let deal? all the music that he stole on on there for that. Then yeah, yeah. Like, Why well, worry about that? I don't think Soderbergh would have cared. Um, Soderbergh, just, yeah, would not. Soderbergh would be like tickled. It is a love letter yes. to <laughs> him and his whole career. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it's back on Letterbox now. But unfortunately, uh, like Chris had added some different means, and it means all the original like, reviews of it oh, from people yeah. who were just finding They're a thing wiped. that he played here mm-hmm. once and then put on YouTube. Right. Uh, all those reviews are gone, which is too bad. Well, before we wrap up, um, should we announce perhaps about uh, the Insidious screening here? At, yeah. Uh, so at the end of um, October, October 30th. October 30th. Um, Monday, October 30th yeah. on Devil's Night. Yeah. Uh, 2023, gonna, if you're listening to this in the future. Yes, 2023. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't come next year. Mm-hmm. Um, well, maybe. Well, maybe maybe we'll do something else. Yeah. Um, but there, we're going to be showing. Uh, Insidious 3 and 4 at that point. That, yes. Yes. yes I've never yeah. seen those ones. So, uh, yeah. Mike Wood, Terry Chu, and I are going to be hosting a night of, of good scares. We're going to be doing a double feature of Insidious 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Um, um, here at Eyesore in uh, Toronto. So if you're local to Toronto, come on out. We'd love to see you there. Yeah, um, uh, it will be uh, spooktacular. I'm going to be decorating yes. the place for Halloween. There's 4D be interactive. Fog. Yep. Yeah. It's going to be um, um, not D box, but E box seats. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. we'll uh, be going around shaking you. Yeah, just yeah. Like, a, <laughs> like one grade down. Um, you know, some costumes, other surprises, and, and a guy uh, dresses a ghost with a stick. Just <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. like the Charlie Brown ghost costume with all the holes in it, and yeah. just like poking you. <laughs> yeah, the genesis for this was just. Uh, Terry Chu being a super fan, probably the world's biggest fan of Insidious yeah, 2. Yeah. Not not even necessarily one, but two. I mean, he likes the whole franchise. But there's something about the structure of two that I've seen him speak to several times. It's because it has a it, positive ending. And it does it's, have a positive yeah, ending. It's, it's, and it's, Terry's it has a, a positive guy. Really interesting structure. It, yeah. it basically back to the future twos, the first Insidious yeah. wow. into <laughs> something totally different. Uh, and I've always said first Insidious, that was like a, a perfect like modern haunted house tale. Insidious 2. I do have some plot issues with. Uh, there's one plot point I find very, very regressive. But mm-hmm. from, yeah. as a whole, uh, structurally, I hadn't seen it uh, because I, I t- tend to not see a lot of like sequels these days. I tend to not see a lot of like just general Hollywood releases unless someone tells me this is interesting. Go yeah, check you it out. Sellouts, just watch yeah, your mainstream yeah. horror. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Terry uh, really pitched me on watching it. So uh, the day after I met him, when I saw him talking more about Insidious 2 than about his own film, Open Doom Crescendo. Yeah, every on Q&A stage has at like its a good 30 theatrical minute, premiere. Uh, yeah. uh, I was like, there, well, there's something to this. I'm going to watch this tomorrow. And then I, I messaged him to say like, wow, that, 
that was really interesting. I have, I have some issues, but also some like amazements about yeah. how that was structured. Uh, so yeah, this is uh, going to be a, like a long time coming. Is actually watching Insidious one and two with Terry too, who's coming to town from Montreal. <laughs> Terry yeah. two. Terry two. Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, yeah. Terry, Terry one and Terry, Terry two. Terry one and Terry two. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, here at Eyesore Cinema in Toronto on Monday, October thirtieth, twenty twenty three. And to be completely uncomplimental to that, that's the right word? I don't know. Complimentary? Mm-hmm. That uh, we're going to clean up and get out of here because the uh, the people who are hosting tonight for Toronto Indie Horror Fest playing two films, but the one coming up next as we leave, which no one will see because this will be in the past at this point, and that's <laughs> fine because we can make fun of it as it's a... <laughs> as far away from mainstream American horror as possible with a German splatter film called Hillbilly Holocaust. Excellent. Uh, Excellent. So, I mean, you go search the internet for that yourself, folks. Is that the first time that title's been used? Because it's one of those brilliant titles. It sounds like there's been seven films called that. Right, it feels like I've heard that. It's like something I feel like I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's German filmmakers and their first time trying to do something specifically for Americans. Hmm. So they chose a title that sounded like anything yeah. like that. Oh, that's it's, great. That could be very entertaining. If it's like a German cast and yeah. crew oh, and everything, yeah. like trying to like play it American. Yeah, because yeah. okay. normally their stuff is specifically saying where they are in Germany. And I feel in this, they're doing a lot of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre stuff, but it's still, they're very obvious aware that they're either half of them are speaking German and the other half are speaking only like contextually in english and they don't but they're still like but i am the sheriff in this town and like that they know what they're doing in it. that's all part of it which Howdy, is partner which again will be a thing that will super alienate if you know if your halloween treat is watching the conjuring which again uh, a guy who is anti-cinema in a way i'm still actually supportive of that kind of stuff because mm-hmm. if it works and you love it who cares yeah but um then the fact is that for Halloween, I'm watching this weird German film. It's filmed by one guy on his VHS camera, and they just wore a bunch of rubber masks. <laughs> um, so, you know, whatever floats your boat, folks. Exactly. Whatever floats exactly. Your boat. Exactly. All right. Note. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. Thank for, both of you uh, for yeah, this uh, having us on. Blast. This is wonderful. Thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. All righty. Goodbye from the Eyesore Cinema screening room. It's very hot. Hottest October on Toronto's <laughs> record. Bye-bye, everyone. <laughs>